You're listening to Malta Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Just gone 8.33 Central African time at the time of the evening where you join Anwar Kasamani segment driving with Anwar. Anwar is a world-class mechanic, also a graduate in economics and alhamdulillah lecturer also and uh, someone uh, that is uh, very off uh, with the markets and so forth. Anwar Kasam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful Tuesday evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, brother Shafat could not be any better. Considering my sister is down from Dubai, and every time you see a person who is, you know, especially afar, who's left this country, I know my sister's left this country about six years ago, and, you know, every now and again we get to meet, alhamdulillah, you know, I think that just makes our days perfect for the duration of time she's here. Hey, I can hear your voice. I can hear your happiness there. Alhamdulillah. Ahalan wa salan to family members. And alhamdulillah, Allah keep the muhabba from, uh, you know, for all family members. Uh, like the way your enthusiasm is very efficacious indeed, uh, Anwar. Allah bless you for that. Well, when we look around you and you see many things are happening, you see trucks burning, uh, you see that, uh, hey, you know, I was amazed uh, to see there was an article. I sent it very late to you. And, uh, you know, it says that the Toyota Ethios is the most targeted car in uh, Amazon Toti. Uh, I mean, this is a, an Amazon Toti security expert that says that. Now I'm shaking in my pants because I drive an Ethios too, Anwar. You know, the funniest part for the Shafab, I actually had, a, I've actually got an Ethios in the workshop of 2021. Unfortunately, this gentleman didn't have the car insured. It lapsed for some reason. It was an Uber car. Now, if you consider those pointers, most of the vehicles are because of the fuel consumption on these vehicles. You find they use it for uh, Uber vehicles. Now, one of the rules for Uber vehicle, the vehicle has to be a boot type, a sedan, and it has to be 2018 model upwards. And you find that the Etios was the most practical vehicle. Now, obviously, all said and done, if you look at the amount of industries that we have near the Toti area, we have the malls, you know. So, alhamdulillah, you find a lot of these Uber taxi drivers are around. They park all around the shade, wherever it is, you know. So, obviously, you know, Toti, unfortunately, became one of the number one, you know, uh, hits when it came to the Etios being stolen. And obviously, it's been stolen because of parts, you know, because obviously we know, I'm, I'm personally, I'm working one of these vehicles at the moment with a front smash. And the vehicle, the panels are so, you know, lightweight. You know, you lean against them, it actually pops in. That itself will tell you. So obviously, you know, most of those vehicles have been stolen, not so much to be put back on the road, but mainly because of the spares. And the spares are extremely expensive on these vehicles, you know. So when one considers, so unfortunately, you know, yet it's just around our corner. Toti is uh, just a few kilometers away from Springle Beach. And that's basically our hometown because we fall under the same municipality. That will tell the person how close we are. And it is a scary fact, obviously. So, you know, when it comes to Toyota, it's the number one list. And Volkswagen, you know, when it comes to the South African list, uh, the Polos itself is the second highest uh, sold vehicle. And then obviously we have the Ford Ranger and so forth. So I, I suppose, you know, people are saying vehicles, you know, we say it's for border use only where it crosses the border, but not necessarily, you know. Now, being in the field for so many years, 
I found a lot of these vehicles are being stripped up for spares. A lot of people come into the shop offering you spares, you know, and they don't come with the spares itself. So that itself will tell you there's a thriving market when it comes to spares of vehicles. So not all the vehicles, you know, that really passes the borders and gets, you know, in neighboring countries and such. A lot of them, a majority of them are actually in our country, either in-house, and it's stripped for the availability of spares. Well, I tell you, Anmara, so it's, uh, you know, uh, popular being an Uber car, but uh, then even for hijacking, you see, oh, mostly these, uh, or for robbery, sorry, uh, these etios are involved, Anwar. They become known as the cars of the criminal. Most definitely, for some reason, I, I can't understand. You know, when the, when the cash in transit is taking place, you'll find Mercedes and BMWs was the norm because they could actually withstand the impact when they crash into this, uh, you know, armored vehicles. You know, but now you find that when it comes to hijackings and, you know, uh, uh, robberies itself, business robberies, it's always etios for some reason. And personally, here in Spingo Beach, we had quite a few incidents. And every time it comes up on the CPF group, it's generally uh, etios. And they give the registration, they give the make, the model. And next thing, you know, through, uh, due to our cameras, no, it's left Spingo Beach and there's no sight of it. But majority of the time, it happens to be a Toyota product. And uh, I can't understand why. Maybe it's an easy vehicle to drive, or maybe it's a... I, I can't say it's a, it's a quick getaway vehicle, but for somehow or the other, the thieves, the hijackers, they, they risk, you know, actually driving these. They're not performance vehicles. So whatever the reason is, maybe they're blending to the crowd, but driving the Etios because it's an Uber vehicle, so people mistake it, you know, for an Uber vehicle, when really they are here to just commit crime. So it's hard to say the mentality of these criminals. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, really shocking indeed. Well, we look at the double cab, uh, you know, they say uh, double cab uh, mad uh, South Africa gets ready for the Enos uh, Grandia, uh, Gran, uh, Granadia. Uh, what's this all about, uh, Anwar? You know, very beautiful vehicle. I actually read the article on that, you know. Alhamdulillah, it's a double cab, and we know the double cabs has made a mark in South Africa for the last decade or so, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of uh, double cab owners, uh, you know, the four bus four owners I would actually relate to, you know, don't generally go off-road. But I think it's the image, it's a, it's a perfect vehicle for the family, you know, for loading stuff, for garden refuse. So it, it serves as a multi-purpose. So obviously, you find that uh, double cab generally takes the market, especially in South Africa for some reason. It always has a dual purpose. Now, if you look at the Enios Grenadier, as you were talking about, it's called the Quartermaster Bucky. Double Cab, as I mentioned, it's making its debut in Goodwood Festival of Speed and on the 1st of August. It's very, very beautiful, remarkable vehicle. If our listeners have the opportunity, just Google this vehicle, the Ineos itself. And they realize, you know, I think it's the making of a Hummer itself. You know, it's a cross between a Hummer or one of these off-road vehicles. It's got a very fierce-looking front, beautiful vehicle, obviously. Price at about 1.6 million, which is obviously a little too high, I would say, considering the other double cab four by fours. But it has a BMW 3 liter diesel motor in it, and I think that is what is actually going to sell this vehicle because we know BMW has merged with other companies. They're making very solid vehicles, very solid motors itself in the development itself. When it comes to the torque of the vehicle, we look at 210 kilowatts with a 450 newton meters torque. Eight-speed ZF gearbox. Now, ZF is actually one of the very beautiful gearboxes where BMW swap at ZF boxes. If you look way back in time from all the BMWs from the 5 C's, 
All those vehicles came with the ZF gearbox. So not only does it have a BMW engine, it also has a relation to the ZF gearbox, which is a very hardy gearbox itself. Two-speed uh, transfer case, which actually gives it very, very good torque off-road and on-road. It's got a center differential lock itself, payload is 760 kgs with a 400 built-in uh, kilo, uh, 400 watt built-in inverter itself. So very beautiful vehicle. Price range might be a, a little out, I would actually say, as analysts, but the fact of the matter, uh, when any, it, whenever a vehicle enters the market, it actually enters very reasonably. So for them to enter the market at $1.6 it will tell you in a few months from now, the price is bound to pick up. So they have a lot of faith and trust in the vehicle that's been launched. So, inshallah, I suppose uh, when it comes to this vehicle, the said vehicle itself, it'll have to be proven in our terrain and proven by some of our expertise when it comes to off-roading and our normal on-road drivers. You know, and the headlines, they said, a double cab mad South Africa. That shows, uh, you know, most South Africans are crazy about double cabs, uh, Anwar. Most definitely, if you, if you look around, if you look at Ford Ranger, Ford Ranger itself, Ford, the company closed in India, it closed in quite a few countries, but the Ranger is capitalized. You know, if you look at the Toyota, the D4Ds, if you look at the Isuzu buckets, if you go on the road, you can actually notice before double cabs used to only be used generally for uh, companies because they should get a, re- a kickback or a reimbursement from the tax man itself because of uh, business purposes. But now you find it's more of a leisure vehicle itself to pull your speedboat, to pull your jet ski. You know, it has multiple uses itself. So obviously it's a very practical vehicle to have. A bit heavier on fuel depending on what motor or what vehicle we're looking at. But also at the same time, a very high risk vehicles because a lot of these ranges, a lot of these vehicles are being stolen as mentioned. So, you know, one needs to be guarded, obviously, when it comes to that. I always try to advise people buy a vehicle that suits one's needs. Never buy a vehicle for show, for color, for any other purpose, but for needs. So when it comes to consumption, when it comes to the look, the make, the model, whatever the case is, it has to be within a person's reach. They must be capable. They must be able at the same time. You know, affordability is a very crucial part, especially with the economy on a downslide. You know, so these are the factors a person needs to consider. But yes, as you mentioned, double cabs is the first and foremost runner-up when it comes to all vehicles in South Africa. And you look at the Toyota Land Cruiser, very popular with the aboutments. Yes, if you look at the Land Cruiser, now Land Cruiser made its mark many, many decades ago. You know, full aluminium body, uh, it had an independent chassis itself. Unlike all vehicles, if you look at most of the vehicles, the chassis is incorporated in the cab and in the bin itself. Some of the bins are removable, but not all of them, depending on which vehicle. And once again, we are talking about, so this vehicle was a hardcore vehicle, being on aluminium, made for the rough terrain itself. Very similar to Mahendra or one of the Tata vehicles that was actually made for uh, the weather or the climate or the, you know, the terrain of India itself. And when it was introduced to South Africa, people adapted to it, obviously. Yet we don't have that harsh terrain that a certain place in India has. So likewise, when it comes to the land cruises, they have made their mark. And if you look at the pricing structure, once again, it will tell you that it has actually, you know, uh, surpassed most of the other vehicles. And it's still a very popular vehicle in the market itself. Absolutely. And as you... uh Move on. Uh, we uh, notice that the United Nations Rights Council calls for artificial intelligence transparency. What is this all about, Anwar? 
You know, a, a very good example, if we consider the drones, when drones first surfaced, you know, in our country, and you find, found that a lot of legislation, a lot of laws were passed concerning uh, the drones itself when it comes to privacy. Now, exactly the same, if we had to consider the AI, knowing we sitting in the 14th industrial revolution, knowing that, uh, I'm talking about worldwide, I'm not really considering South Africa on its own, and if you find that the amount of data usage that is freely available nowadays, so when it comes to AI itself, artificial intelligence, one is to consider that everything in our life is actually basically ruled and controlled by this year. You know, if you don't have data on your phone, a person goes a little insane for a period of time. Everything, our vehicles, our houses, from the microwaves to whatever, everything electronic nowadays has exactly basically the same function. Now they're going one step ahead, and for quite a while they've been actually using this. And a good example is they're using AI when it comes to uh, neurosurgery itself. And what is the scary part is a person using this can actually tap into the person's brain itself and extract information, and that is the scary part. You know, very soon our cell phones, and you know, one of the things that actually surfaced when it came to COVID is, uh, or you look at the uh, towers that the guys were putting up, you know, the, the uh, I think the 4G or 5G it was, you know, where people said, you know, what, our movement, everything about us will be controlled by the government. And it was such like an espionage thing. And it was, you know, but at the end of the day, here we have AI that is freely available. And if you look at Bill Gates, you look at people like Tesla, you, you look at the advancements when it comes to the computer system itself. So obviously, countries and people need to worry because privacy is the first and foremost of every person. Everyone's allowed kind of privacy. Let's not talk about democracy, but privacy itself. So here we have 48 countries that actually signed a treaty to say, you know, every time we have used data or we implement anything in technology, it has to bypass or has to go through a certain process in order for it to be deemed, you know, um, humanitarian safe. So it mustn't affect the human itself. And the two countries that did not go into this treaty itself, that called it controversial, the first country was China and the second was India. And that's scary because some of the best technologists or the best computer programmers are in India. And if you're looking at China itself, unfortunately, I can't understand or fathom why they don't want to go into this program or sign the treaty as such because they are the, one of the mass producers of all the systems itself, you know. So by 48 countries actually going and signing up a treaty, you know, to protect the people or the citizens of their country itself, we have China and India that actually on the sideline itself, you know. So it's a bit scary, obviously, for the people of the country. But at the same time, it is just basically we have a freedom of expression, you know. And also, if you had to maintain uh, or if you had to look at technology and if you use it safely, it can benefit human or mankind. But if you don't, it can destroy human life. And that is a proven fact. I mean, if you look at a person in ICU, what do we rely on? All those tubes and all those machinery is actually keeping that person alive. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, I think sometimes we as people, you know, take uh, a, a technology a little too far. So it's about time to put clauses uh, or restrictions in certain usage of this uh, item. Yeah, maybe they want robocops. Mm. That cop comes there and says, right, there's a fine for you. You can't bargain with him. If you don't pay the fine, what happens then, Anwar? 
You know, the funny part is you're talking about that. I actually noticed, I think one of the Saudi prince, he's got one of those robots as his personal bodyguard. And I was amazed to look at this thing. It follows him everywhere. It's a huge monstrosity. But Alhamdulillah, it goes everywhere with him. I, I suppose, you know, people, they, they need, there is a fine line. We have 7 billion people on this planet. And everyone in every country is looking for jobs. They're looking for survival. You know, we are going to run out of water in the next 70 years, according to scientists. We're going to run out of oxygen in the next 102 years or 103 years. It is, you know, so, you know, instead of actually allocating your grain back to primitive ways where we can benefit the people, make our, our place ozone friendly again, go green in every way, whatever we extract from the planet, put it back there, that actually will determine man's survival. But instead, we are going so advanced and futuristic in time that we are actually destroying livelihood. We're destroying mankind. We're coming out with warfare types of ammunition and, you know, uh, items that actually destroy our countries itself. And yet, you know, we, we say we're in the fourth industrial revolution. We worry about mankind. But we are the demise of our own. We are the fall of our own. And we have created all of that by ourselves. Yeah, when a man is against a divine decree, then he'll pay the price for that Anwar. Well, I I found this uh, very interesting, how color affects uh, car insurance in South Africa, Anwar. So much so, it was amusing also at first to me, because I never really knew that color will be a detrimental effect. I, I know when it comes to commercial vehicles, everyone will have the, the vehicles are white generally, you know. It's a good camouflage color, that is why we have most of the commercial vehicles white. And when it came to color, I had to open up the article, Brother Shafat, because I was intrigued by it. You know, because I never knew that, you know, when it comes to insurance purposes, color plays a vital role. And really speaking, you know, speaking to one of, uh, listening to or reading up on one of those guys, and, and they say very clearly, a darker vehicle, you will pay a little more for it. You know, which makes perfect sense because if a person is driving at night and bad for poor visibility and accident is met, so obviously you are more prone to accidents if, if, if your visibility is not right. It's that people cannot see you, you know. So the darker colors are more prone to that type of thing, which means you, you'll pay a little more on your premiums per month. Also, at the same time, they considered quite a few other factors about the person's age, about the person's credibility in the sense uh, of no claim bonus or does the guy claim or when last did he claim? You know, what type of vehicle that he has been purchased, the protection that it has, does he have alarm system? So the normal norm. But the color thing really got to me. And also at the same time, one needs to consider, you know, the reason why the discrepancy or there's always a variation on pricing when it comes to premium from different insurance companies or brokers is because the color of the, the car itself. If you have a pearl-based paint, now pearl-based paint actually gives you different shades. If you go to the side or the, it's a bright sun or it's a little bit dull or it's shady, you find that the color of the vehicle tends to blend in. It tends to darken or lighten or whatever the case is, you know. So it's actually pearl in that paint that actually does this, you know, which makes it a very expensive paint. Now, all pearl paints, some of the pearls that is added on is like 16 pearls on average. Some of them are 6 and 8. It all depends. Then we have like the BMW, the water-based paints itself. You know, there's so many stages of paint for you to actually get the exact color. You know, you might look at a BMW for word's sake that is uh, blood red for word's sake, but the base of the vehicle that is first sprayed may be a charcoal gray or black. So there are stages of paint. So when it comes to the painting of the vehicle, the color of the vehicle, you know, after reading the article, I realized 
that the insurance company have to cover themselves in order to uh, cover the cost of that said vehicle because of the color on it. You know, because the blending of colors is very, very uh, expensive. It's very dangerous. If you look at white, it's a good example. A liter of good white paint will land you most probably about three fifty, four hundred rand. If you look at pearl white, on the other hand, it can go up to about three to four thousand rands a liter. You know, so that is cost that insurance companies need to consider before they actually set out a premium. Very interesting indeed, and yeah, the price of paint uh, differing there also. A big, big your pearl white and ordinary white, hey, three, uh, 300, 3,000 a litre. That's uh, quite uh, a steep margin, Anwar. And uh, uh, applying the, doing the job, will you do the same job, same spraying, or is there a different uh, method of uh, spraying the car after that? I won't say we'll do the same job, you know, when it comes, it's a certain amount of expertise that obviously goes into spray painting itself, depending on the equipment, depending on the favorable conditions, also a spray boot might be needed depending on how expensive the vehicle may be, but all said and done, when it comes to the quality of paint, you know, paint we know that if you do a touch-up on your vehicle, you'll find that that area that you have touched up is much brighter than the rest of the vehicle, but as it bakes in the sun and as the element sets in, you'll find that that the Basically, it will dull off and it should be able to blend in with the rest of the car perfectly fine after a couple of weeks or months, you know. So where the problem sets in over duration of time, you will find that it might dull a little too much. The pearl effect, you might be very noticeable once it dulls, you know, that exact panel. And I think we all notice vehicles on the road that has like basically two colors, yet it's the same color, but in different shades itself. You know, so when it comes to the pricing of paints or it comes to the quality of paint, depending on the vehicle, once again, I don't think a person should compromise. And people are so advanced when it comes to the automotive paint shops, you find that they actually take the code itself and a machine mixes it by per gram itself. You know, it's machine mixed. So, you know, a few hundred rands later, whatever it is, you are driving an expensive car sometimes. You know, don't cut corners because the painting is the most crucial part of the vehicle that can either, you know, flourish or basically it will demise your car itself because when it comes to the resale or it comes to the insurance purposes, as we mentioned, you know, it's very, very crucial for you to actually put in that quality, that type or that color of paint. Now, I know, you know, people worry about scratches and, you know, wherever you go, you park at a mall uh, in the parking lot, uh, someone hits you with a trolley or someone scratches your car and some sometimes do it deliberately and so forth. And uh, these gimmicks of, you know, taking a pen and just going over the scratcher, is that very effective? I, I wouldn't really say. Uh, you will notice the small pigmentation marks on it. You know, they have some beautiful colors out there where you can actually use. It comes in like Q-Tex bottles and you can actually buy it from the agents most of the time. But you'll notice you it becomes too distinctive, you know. But the idea of the whole thing is not to keep the metal there. You know, I, I, really speaking, as it doesn't matter the color might vary, your car might look like small spots all over the show. If a person, a person has to scrutinize it, you know, like if you look at the bonnet for work, like you have a lot of stone chips because, you, you, you know, of the vehicle in the front, there's always stone chips in your windscreen on your bonnet, a good example. And you find you rather just touch it up, even with the earbud, you know, try to get a similar color, touch it out very, very lightly. And the idea of it, is not so much for beauty, uh, the beauty effect. It's more to prevent rust. Because once you have bare metal, especially along the coast, 
you find that the rust will start picking up and thereafter you're left with a much bigger problem. So personally, you know, the moment you see stone chips, you know, uh, it, it doesn't cost a lot at the agents to buy touch-up paint. It, sometimes it's the base coat and clear. It comes in two different bottles. You know, it comes with the base and it comes with the clear. You can actually master it somehow, do some uh, test runs, you know, not on your car first and to get used to it and thereafter go and apply, clean up the surface area itself with some methylated spurs and some household detergent that's not oil-based and slowly touch it up. And alhamdulillah, I think a lot of people will get away with that effect. Yeah, we're driving at a good speed, Yanwar, and uh, coming to uh, the end of our journey. Uh, uh, this article of uh, South Africa's uh, new driving laws open the doors to corruption. Uh, what's that uh, corruption is going to be? I mean, we know it's uh, already corrupted. But uh, talk about this new driving uh, laws, Anwar. You know, the moment anything related to our government, anything, you know, and like the message of the people actually spoke about the art of the law that has been passed and the legislation that has been passed in Parliament, you know, immediately the first thing that comes to people's mind is corruption. That's without doubt. You know, this law in other countries is actually a European law. You know, and it's funny how we can say we got democracy in our country when we adopt the laws of so many other countries to benefit the uh, the pockets of just a few minority in this country or in parliament, I would say. You know, so really speaking, in Europe, you look, it's been in existence for over 20 years, very similar to us. You know, we go for the renewal cars and we're all given 12 points. And most of our police officers don't even know how to... It's supposed to be a choice. You know, you either get a 300 ticket for work sake or you can get a hundred ticket for two points or one point off your card, and they, they, they picked up this whole scaling system, you know. But what they did not understand, considering there's, oh, I think, about 250,000 of these taxi drivers around, you know, in South Africa alone, these taxi drivers are breaking the laws all the time. They are always oncoming uh, uh, streets. They, they do, do the weirdest of things. Most of the vehicles are not even up to standard. Although they've got bodies that make sure they're supposed to be up to standard, Right, half of them are drunk. They sleep. They race. All that. Now, when they get points, gets taken away. Twelve points, meaning that you cannot drive for the duration of the time until twelve months later, where it's renewed again. What happens to our country? I will tell you what will happen, Brother Shafar. They will all blockade all our streets. They'll start burning everything as usual in our country. And the next thing, the government will lift the laws when it comes to the, to them. You know, they are above the law, basically. So he didn't really consider, but the, the main motive of actually creating this legislation was because, you know, to save lives. How do you save lives when the taxi driver and all these guys drive so hopelessly on the road? They endanger everyone. So when their trap points goes, what happens day after? The implication day after is much higher. And then most of the police officers, when I speak to them, I will never pay a bribe, Brother Shabbat. I, I don't see the reason it. And unfortunately, unfortunately enough, I don't ever speed. Alhamdulillah, all my vehicles are up to standard, and I really don't care. You know, if a police officer ever stops me at a roadblock, I have nothing to hide. So I don't need, I don't bother. But there's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, because the economy is so down, that have to bribe somewhere along the line. And people are always telling me, we keep 20 rand, we keep 50 rand, and without questions, you know, it's done. So we know the corruption that's in this country. Likewise, this just opens a can of these guys' revenue to actually create more corruption, bottom line. And that goes not only on my thought or my saying, the masses in South Africa is saying exactly what I think, Brother Shafar. Yeah, and what I remember many years ago, you know, when uh, the broadcast was here, I radio from Durban Station, I should finish my shows sometime late at night, 
And, um, you know, when you're driving out at night, there's always roadblocks. And then when they just stop me, they say, ha, ah, what are you doing so late at night? I said, I'm from a radio. Oh, you're not from, I said, yes, I'm from a radio station. Sometimes I had my recording. I played, hey, they'll tell you, hey, lovely, man, you can go now. They get very happy. But Anmoda, you know, we've come to the end of our journey. Your parting words are this evening. Well, Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, just to end in a very good note, exactly what you said about the uh, uh, the traffic cops, you know, stopping you at the roadblock. My first daughter, 25 years ago, Alhamdulillah, she was born. And I, I, I left the hospital at about 5 to 3 that morning. And I come onto the southern freeway and there's road, a roadblock in front of me. There was no cars, absolutely no cars on the road. My car was the only vehicle, and I was tired, you know, and it, it, I was really drained. And here they see this car going left and right like a, a driver under the influence. <laughs> and I come to this roadblock, the beacons, and I stop there for a moment. And next thing, the guy asked me, one too many. I said, no, my brother. He asked me, where you come from? I said, no, the hospital. He says, for what? This is my daughter, uh, you know, my wife gave birth. And he, he tells me, how many kids? I said, first. The most beautiful thing happened that day, Brother Shafar. You know, we mm-hmm. always seem to be putting cops down to a point. But really speaking, there were every race group in that uh, roadblock. And every one of them stood in a line. I'm still seated in my car. And each one told me a bit of something. You know, and that was the proudest moment of my life, having wow. a child, knowing that I have reached fatherhood. And Alhamdulillah, you know, that that goes to the cops out there. Really, they do. And they and that is a moment or a memory I have never, I will never forget. Alhamdulillah, Baraj Shafat, very, very good show with you. Inshallah, we'll talk about it again next week. Inshallah, Jazakallah Khair, Anwar. And uh, you have a blessed evening ahead. As you said, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, this time, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, sir, people, uh, keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba. It's time for us to go for the Ishazan, and thereafter, it'll be time for Maulana Salim Karim on his uh, segment, The Family Room, and it will be ended off with uh, Muhammad Ayaz Karim on Travel Express. Let's go for the Ishazan.